one I relaunch the podcast where we talk about strategies, advice and success stories for returning to work after taking a career break. Today, we are thrilled to have with us Jennifer Scott, Vice President of Strategic Partnerships for the Society of Women Engineers, the largest member based women's engineering organization in the world. Jen and I have been working closely together since 2014 on the vision for and then the implementation of the STEM Reentry Task Force, the multi-company initiative co-led by the Society of Women Engineers and iRelaunch. We will talk about it in more detail later, but I can say up front that 18 global companies are piloting or have piloted a paid mid-career return to work internship program and over 200 returning technical professionals have participated in one of these programs so far. Jen, welcome. Thank you for being with us today. Thank you, Carol. I'm thrilled to be here. As you know, this is one of my favorite topics to discuss. Well, I'm very happy about that because the first thing I ask you is if you can give us a brief overview about First, the Society of Women Engineers, so people can understand the size and the power of the organization and its corporate reach. Sure, absolutely. So just a little bit about SWE. We were founded in 1950 and have always been a mix of college and professional members. Um, currently, we're almost 40,000 strong, and that is our global uh, number. And not only do our members make us a strong organization, but also our corporate partners we have something called the Corporate Partnership Council, which is some of our, our closest partners who work with us on new initiatives and strategy, along with financially supporting the organization. And there are over 80 of those, but beyond those 80s, we absolutely partner with over 300 other organizations as well. So our reach is fairly large. Right, and that Corporate Partnership Council includes some of the biggest companies in the world, it looks like to me. Oh, absolutely. We have everyone from 3M to IBM to Verizon to the military and government. Um, definitely some uh, recognizable names and some that are not so recognizable. Really incredible. And, and you also do a lot of international work, too. I know you were just traveling. Yes, uh, SWE has absolutely been expanding globally. I would say over the last four years, I just got back from China, which was amazing. We also are very strong in India, Malaysia, and Europe, and um, are soon to do some work in Brazil. That's incredible. And, and the one other thing I wanted to ask you about or ask you to mention is the annual conference that SWE runs. Can you just talk very briefly about how many people come and what it is and what you call it? Sure, absolutely. So our annual conference is WE, it's WE and Women Engineers, um, and it changes with the year. So next year will be WE 18. But I'm thrilled to say, and that is in Minneapolis, Minnesota in October. I'm thrilled to say that last year, our annual conference was the largest we've ever had with over 14,500 attendees, um, with a really good split between um, collegiate and professional again, um, we have over, I think, 23 countries um, represented. Mostly our, the attendees are from the U.S., though. Right. And I was there, and it, it's just incredible in terms of the number of people and all, all the different engineering disciplines and the programming. And uh, we'll talk about this uh, in a little bit, but we also started a year ago, um, uh, yeah, two years ago, a special track for returning engineers at, at this conference. So, so we can talk about that 
in a little bit. But, uh, you know, when we look back and think about the origins of the STEM reentry task force, and we'll talk about exactly what it means to be on the task force, um, but those first conversations that we had started way back in 2014. And I want to know if you could talk a little bit about uh, the mission of the task force and what called out to you about it that led to your decision, along with the uh, executive director of Swede, Karen Hording, to really jump in with both feet and, and get behind the initiative to turn it into what it is today. Absolutely. Um, well, first, I, you know, back in 2014, I think you had, or the year before, you had presented at our conference. Is that correct? Yeah. Around that time? Yeah. Time, time flies, I tell you. Yeah. Um, and uh, I was, you know, thinking back about this and you um, being an expert in the field and always looking for innovative and new ways to get folks back to work. Um, had reached out to Peter Finn, who's now our Deputy Executive Director, and he thought it fit with me and what I was doing with our corporate partners. And when he mentioned it and connected you and I, your passion and excitement just really transferred to me, and I was thrilled to be able to offer this opportunity, whatever it might be, it took a few, <laughs> a while to figure out what it would look like, um, to not only my corporate partners, which is one of my primary responsibilities, but also to really have this opportunity for our members um, both our members you know are always looking for new opportunities and ways we you know we weren't sure about getting back to work but our corporate partners and recruiters and executives are always looking for women and they're how do we recruit professional women how do we um, get women into leadership positions and this really um, when we kept talking about it aligned with those goals and um, you know, so many of the previous conversations that I had in my role and Karen had in this role before me. And so when we came up with this idea and kind of modeled it after the community that we, we have with our corporate partners, um, Karen jumped right on board. It was such an easy sell to our CEO. Um, she was just as excited as I was and continued to be an absolute champion and advocate for it. Having you and having Karen um, adopt the vision and step on board and really drive it on the SWE side is, I, I mean, the initiative would not have happened um, without you, uh, the initiative that you both took and the leadership that you both took uh, uh, at the very beginning and continue to take. So I want to say thank you <laughs> while we're having this conversation because it's just been what I think the most exciting work that we're doing at iRelaunch and we're just so privileged to be partnering with you. Well, thank you. And I just want to add, I mean, I'm not sure if it's going to come up later in the conversation, but, um, you know, we, when we asked those first pilot groups, we flew you out to our meeting, we talked to them and we said, you had to sign up and you have to sign up, you know, in 30 or 60 days. I don't remember the timeline. It was crazy. So for, to have those seven partners raise their hand and say, we're in was truly inspiring and just a real testament to the need for this type of program. So let's talk about the task force itself um, and what the commitment is that companies make when they join the task force. Um, we, you know, the mission is to build the pipeline of uh, female technical professionals and to have employers engage with female technical professionals who are returning to work after a career break. And I do want to make the point of saying, which we also have um, delineated on the, on the um, web page for the task force, that 
um, men are eligible to apply for and participate in these programs and that they do. Um, but the original mission was around, we need more women in, in technical roles and what can we do um, in order to broaden that pipeline. And there were these great initiatives about for young you know, girls who code and keeping women in tech majors in college, but to have a, an initiative that was focused on um, women who are already credentialed, but who had left the work, the technical workforce, and now were interested in return, was a brand new concept, and uh, the the ta that's what the task force is all about. So, Jen, can you talk about um, some who was in the initial, the inaugural group, the, those companies? Um, just maybe mention some of them, um, and also talk about what it means to be a member of the task force. Like, what happens as part of the task force activities? So um, some of the players that stepped up right away and implemented um, right away their, their programs were IBM and GM, um, and then we had Cummins as part of the original group, along with Caterpillar, um, Johnson Controls, and I know I'm missing some, Booz Allen Hamilton. How can I forget them? Um, so those were the seven that stepped up right away with our short timeline um, to implement programs. And, you know, being a part of the, the task force, it really is a commitment um, to launch a pilot program within the calendar year of the task force. That's the goal, to implement and run a pilot program. And um, Carol and I have monthly calls with the program managers of each of these organizations um, for each year that participates. We have a face-to-face -face meeting, which is really important to kick off the um, planning year. We coach them. We have a shared um, teamwork site to share documents and presentations and all the information they can find at their fingertips. Um, and then we'll also have individual coaching sessions as needed. Um, and then on top of that, we help with sourcing candidates. So both through SWE um, and our reentry.swe.org website, um, we have folks who have signed up to be a part of a listserv. We also have our online career center where people um, upload their resumes and tag it as a reentry. And then um, we also push it out through our social media. And I know, Carol, you guys do a really good job of branding and pushing out the um, opening of uh, applications um, through your uh, site as well. That's right. And these programs are specifically to provide paid uh, internships, even though they're not always called internships, they could be an apprenticeship or, or another name for it, but a paid short-term work opportunity for technical professionals who are returning after a career break with the objective that when the program is over, that they would get hired. And we'll talk about some of the um, very impressive and consistent hiring rates that we're getting out of this uh, in just a minute. So the companies pilot these programs, they can be anywhere from nine months to, I mean, nine weeks to six months long. <laughs> and uh, another piece of it is that um, companies are uh, tagged and featured at the, uh, we conferences every year and that we have some programming. Yeah, so what we launched um, 
is both we launched a registration for re-entry candidates so they have a discounted rate to attend the conference we also arranged to have a stem re-entry track which is both good for hr professionals but also individual returners um, and so carol has been awesome the last two years and have been a part of that track we've had a couple panels one with individuals who have returned to work in one of the programs um, and also program managers from the different companies and organizations that have participated. So the annual conference is a real great um, accumulation of a program. Um, it, again, it happens in October every year, and it's always a really exciting time. Um, we have a meetup there for program managers as well, and I won't go too deep down that hole, um, but it is, we really elevate that. We also flag um, uh, companies on our career fair floor that are looking for returners. Um, which is really important as well. Great. And um, can you just talk about the growth? So we, you know, we started with these seven inaugural uh, companies and just talk about the, the number of companies that have grown since then and maybe mention a couple of names. Sure. I mean, absolutely. I can start with GM and IBM because they were so excited and got organized super quickly that they were able to launch their internship program and run it in the spring and then do it again that fall. So they actually had two internship programs in one year, which is a very unique experience. Um, and then GM, um, both of them have expanded uh, their program and run it multiple times. GM has expanded um, into other business units um, and um, has really uh, picked a bunch of different locations. Um, so it's super exciting to see that. I know IBM is looking to expand in India, and I believe Commons is looking to expand outside the U.S. as well. Right, and then since those seven uh, um, original companies joined in 2016, we had seven more joined in 2017, and I know we're we're just about to announce the 2018 companies, but then again, when companies are joining, it, they are some of the biggest companies in the world. Um, we have in 2017, we have Northrop Grumman, we have Ford, we have Johnson & Johnson, we have United Technologies, uh, and, and more companies. And then uh, we're excited about the ones that we're about to announce too. Um, Jen, can you, can you talk about, for example, um, let's just look at one particular launch. Um, so Northrop Grumman's program I know launched um, in suburban Chicago, uh, kind of near the sweet offices actually. And I think that you had uh, dropped by there while, while the program uh, was running. Uh, and any commentary about conversations that you had with the people who um, were responsible for launching the Northrop Grumman program or the participants themselves that um, you would be able to relate? Absolutely. Um, it was so great to see a program in the midst of happening. I've never been able to see it before. Um, I've met the folks who have been hired after, but um, I did. I went out to Northrop Grumman, and I should say um, this program has had the CEO's blessing and senior executive um, that's not located um, in the Chicago area. But that being said, when, the pres when they came to the group and said, who wants to host this, the um, manager of the, the suburban Chicago location fought for it and won it and is a huge champion of it. So she won it and then her engineering division um, director, I'm butchering his title, but um, he was very much excited about it. And then they picked a program manager um, 
from their staff, not in HR, so actually an engineering manager, um, to lead it um, to, for that special opportunity. And so it was super exciting to meet her face to face. Um, they have monthly meetings with their cohort and um, not only were some SWE champions there, um, the leader of the division was there um, to stop by and I think he stops by often to meet with them. The people that I met, they had both men and women in their program. Um, some had you know, a two-year break and I think it went up to 22 years and it was very interesting. I did talk to somebody um, who was aware of our pilot group, and she was just waiting for someone in the Chicago area to launch. And so she pounced with Northbrook Grubbin opened. So that was really exciting to talk to her. And then the woman who had a 22-year break just never thought she would be able to get back to work. And here she was excelling in this program. And I think... Um, you know, Northrop Grumman definitely had an intense program. I think it's an intense place to work, which I think is a great thing. Um, something interesting that they did was all of these interns worked in different divisions, um, but they all came together monthly. Um, they had separate, you know, one-on-one -on -one meetings as well. Um, but not only was it a great internship program, but it also helped the company because lo and behold, all these interns were kind of, they knew each other and they were able to connect different divisions that didn't really know each other. So it just opened up new lines of communication within the company, which I thought was pretty cool. Oh, that's very interesting to point out. Sometimes there are these unintended benefits um, of the uh, initiative and of the individual programs. Um, I remember when we were in the first year, um, the spirit of collaboration that occurred among the senior executive champions and the program managers in our monthly meetings, even among companies that might be competitors sort of in the um, broader market, we had this very unique spirit of, of collaboration. Uh, and the at the end, when people were reflecting, and I should point out that the Society of Women Engineers has written a white paper about the success of the first year of the program and and some of these comments are documented in it but the people who organized the program were talking about it as one of the most significant professional experiences that they had had and some of these people had had careers for 25 or 30 years so it was really saying something um, the, the other thing that you're underscoring, Jen, by your comments about Northrop Grumman is, first of all, the importance of getting senior buy-in, um, as you're talking about, happened at different levels, and also the power of the cohort. So these um, paid re-entry mid-career internship programs um, are structured very similarly to entry-level uh, university internship programs in that everyone starts on the same day and they move through the program as a cohort. Even if they could be working in different areas, like you said, was at Northrop Grumman, they will come together periodically, either informally for lunch or formally around some kind of professional development activity. And so they are very supportive to each other as they're all making the transition. And that's one of the beauties of this um, structure um, for people to return to work. You are listening to 321 I Relaunch, and we are speaking with Jennifer Scott, Vice President of Strategic Partnerships for the Society of Women Engineers and the co lead of the Society of Women Engineers I Relaunch STEM Reentry Task Force. Jen, we're so happy to have you here um, on 321 I Relaunch. Uh, can you talk to us a little bit more? Uh, about um, 
why it's important for each of the companies involved, and again, we're talking about some of the biggest companies, the biggest global companies, why is it important for them to have their own unique program for reentry? I think this is a key factor for success. Um, them having their own program means that they're aligning this program with their current company culture, their goals, their mission, um, the, their program, when they bring someone on board, they are um, facilitating them re-entering the workforce, but specifically to their own company. Um, I think when programs are outside the company, yes, they, they, folks can be hired, but it's not the same experience. Um, and this way, the program meets their needs. They can build on the, they know what they need, whether it's, you know, whatever tech thing they need, engineering thing they need. I know I'm so technical. Um, <laughs> but they really build, they build the programs to be successful in their own company. And I think the company culture is a big part of um, the success of an intern, you know, being hired full time within that company and then persisting and advancing in that company. Um, so I think it's really important um, that the company has their own program. They know how long they want to be. As Carol mentioned, some are nine weeks, some are 12 weeks, some are six months long. And that's all based on the current company culture and how they bring people on board and how they cultivate um, professional development and advance their individuals. Right. And, and, you know, each companies don't farm out these big companies don't farm out their entry level university internship programs. So we think in the same way that they don't farm those programs out, they should have their own reentry internship programs. And as Jen's saying, to establish the parameters of the program, they could be very different. Um, length of the program, time of year that they're running it, what geographic locations um at what particular roles are involved or managers are involved uh so there are parameters to establish these programs that really are unique uh to each company and the way we've structured it in the stem reentry task force allows for companies to be launching these programs that could be very different in nature but still um are launching in the same time over the same long time frame it's a one year a calendar year so it, it's been a, a really interesting uh, and uh, successful model so far. Uh, let's talk about some of the, the success in terms of hiring rates. Jen, can you talk a little bit about, I know this was documented in the white paper, but the range of hiring rates um, that we've seen in the program so far? We've had um, 60 to 100% of hiring rates, um, which I think even those numbers are amazing. Um, and Carol weighted the average for us, so thank you for that. And the weighted average, um, even with new programs launching and um, you know multiple programs launching, is still around 89%, 88, 89% overall higher rate. And that's both you know the company making the offer, but also the individual accepting the offer. And I think that's something to highlight too about these reentry programs is that it's a real safe place to see if you are ready to come back to work um, and if you're ready for a full-time role. And then also the company gets to see um, if you match their culture and their needs for who they're hiring for. And so um, it's really a great thing. Um, you know, it works for both parties. And again, an 88, 89% higher rate across all companies and internship programs, I think is pretty amazing. I know when our companies sign on, uh, or I was talking to one recently, they were going to be happy with 50%. 
Um, and so they absolutely exceeded that, um, which is amazing. Right. It, it's incredible. And this is one of the reasons, A, we're so encouraged and B, we're seeing so much interest in the task force and a proliferation of these programs in general, even across industry sectors. This 60 percent to 100 uh, percent is we're, we're getting more and more results in as companies um, end their cohorts and then start new ones. And the results remain consistent and, and really stellar. Uh, and it underscores the same kind of results we were getting from the Wall Street program. So in a different sector in financial services, um, the, there is a critical mass of paid reentry internship programs, and they've been running for longer. So we, we have seen data on Wall Street being that the hiring rates out of those programs are 50% to over 90%. Um, so we're very excited about the concept in general. And as Jen mentioned, um, the whole uh, concept of using an internship as the vehicle for engaging with returning professionals really uh, lowers the risk as far as employers are concerned if they attach risk to hiring someone coming off of a career break, which they have, many of them have never done before, at least in an organized way. And so to have that testing out period uh, before making the hiring decision and to have an opportunity to evaluate people based on the actual work that they're doing instead of simply a set of interviews uh, ha has been a, a very effective model. So super encouraged by, by those um, stellar hiring rates coming out of the program. Um, so Jen, you have conversations with companies all the time that are have joined the task force, have contemplated it, um, or are in the process of it. Um, any advice or uh, anything that you think would be important to pass along to companies that might be listening to this and contemplating joining the task force or initiating some sort of paid reentry internship program? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think the first step is definitely to talk to either someone from your team at iRelaunch or me, my, you know, at SWE to really talk about what a reentry program is. We have talked about it during this podcast, so they have a good overview, but what um, the work behind the scenes entails and how to be set up for success, um, it's definitely, you know, most of the companies do have it uh, additional duties as assigned to somebody, but it takes a village to um, create the pilot, implement the pilot, and then expand and decide, you know, how many FTEs are you going to allocate to run the program. So I think there's some things that, you know, we could get in more details about, um, but I think this is a really innovative way to bring um, folks back to the workforce. Um, and again, I'm going to, of course, advocate for women, but so many uh, different men and women, um, I even mentioned veterans when I talk to folks, are coming back to the workforce. And this is a great way to bring them back um, and engage them. And also signal to your current employees that if they left for some reason for their own personal health issue or uh, elder care or so many other things, um, that they could come back, uh, maybe through the returnship program or even on their own, because now the company knows the value of folks coming back and might hire them directly. Yes, really great point. Um, and, and also in the conversations, um, understanding the different philosophies of these programs. You know, some companies 
um, have people in the actual role um, that they would stay in if they are successful in the program. And some companies have people in a project in an area where they're expecting to have job openings um, when the program ends. So there really are a range of philosophies in terms of how the programs are even set up in the first place and what expectations are uh, as far as hiring rates coming out of them. And, you know, it, it, that's one of the questions employers have is uh, how far in advance do I need to predict where I'm going to have openings in a particular area um, when I'm thinking about running one of these programs. So the answer to that depends in part on what the philosophy is. If you have people in the actual role they would stay in uh, if they're successful in the program, that means you're, you're looking to match for uh, your current openings at the time of at, when the interns are applying. Otherwise, you have to do some predicting. So that, that's just one of the complexities um, that Jen and I talk to prospective companies about when they're thinking about implementing one of these programs or joining the task force. Um, so do you, uh, Jen, we're going to have to wrap up pretty soon. It's, it's time, time flies. Um, but can you talk at all about any advice that you might have uh, for technical relaunchers or maybe relaunchers in general um, uh, who might be thinking about applying for one of these programs? Well, the first thing I'm going to say is that they should apply. I think, um, you know, folks definitely are, are nervous, um, I'm going to say scared even to even put themselves out there. And this is a really, as I said before, a safe place. And I think apply, apply, apply. So um, if you see a program either for a company that you want to work for or in a location that you want to work, apply. <laughs> so that's the number one. Yeah. Um, Great advice. And two is when you're looking, you know, I think a lot of the individuals I've met and I've talked to have been contemplating coming back to work for a while. Um, and when you're thinking about what field you want to work in, it doesn't have to be the one that you left, right? So it could be something a little bit different, something that you're more excited about. Um, and what I've also found is that folks are taking real, like I'm gonna say real classes, but no full-time, like graduate degree classes, um, which is awesome. But also there's a lot of online courses you can take um, in specific computer language, programming language, um, different things. So there's definitely ways to update your skills if you think you're you're missing some but again I'm just gonna circle back and say apply I also you know not to toot Carol's horn too much but uh, I also direct everybody to irelaunch.com I think um, Carol and her team provide a lot of resources that are both free and then some that you pay for it's a real valuable experience I also recommend the conferences not, I mean SWEEZE and iReach launches so you can see that you're not alone you're really you're really not alone you're an untapped resource and people want to bring you back to work and some companies are are more ready to do that than others um, but we're working to change the landscape on that but that's my um, two cents excellent excellent advice and it, it's a it's a really interesting point that you bring up about education um, because there are categories of jobs like for example data scientists which were not if you've taken a 10-year career break 
there weren't that many data scientists around um, 10 years ago. And now that's the focus of some, some of our programs. And we actually have, there's an article um, out in the public domain about um, one of the IBM tech reentry uh, participants who took an edX course, an MIT edX course in Python um, in while she was uh, updating her skills. And when she applied for the IBM tech reentry program, that uh, credential was viewed uh, very seriously as um, one of the reasons that they accepted her and she was successful and, and, and she's a data scientist now at IBM. So that, that updating piece is really critical and there are some terrific, uh, as Jen mentioned, uh, um, resources out there for people to do that updating, whether it's in person or online. Well, Jen, thank you so much uh, for joining us today and for sharing your wisdom, both for companies and for individuals um, about uh, the STEM Reentry Task Force and about Society of Women Engineers. Um, for more information about the STEM Reentry Task Force, you can go to reentry.swe.org. That's reentry.swe.org. And you'll also find yourself on the broader um, Society of Women Engineers website um, once you're on that page. Uh, so Jen, thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you, Carol. I wouldn't be here without you. So thank you for oh. all your passion. Oh, wonderful. For yours too. And if you like this podcast, you're listening to 321i Relaunch, the podcast about strategies, advice, and success stories for returning to work after a career break. If you like this podcast, be sure to rate it on iTunes and your favorite podcast platform. And be sure to share this podcast with a friend on Facebook, Twitter, and other social media. Thanks for being with us.